Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to episode 54 today. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, with my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, Easter weekend's here, man. We uh, got an exciting show today. Yeah, yeah. Been a good week, Josh. Uh... Busy week, you know. My son had uh, tonsils and adenoids out yesterday, so unlike unlike you, I still showed up. I didn't use that as an excuse to call in for three or four weeks. I thought about it. I thought about it, but I, <laughs> I called in sick for a couple of weeks. But I thought he's you, doing good. Then. Yeah, he's doing good. I thought you might claim an asteroid hit your car after last after last week, so I figured I better not better not call in sick. So no, he's doing uh, good. Cool. Easter weekend's here, and uh, you know it's been a busy week, Josh. A lot lot going on, and uh, I got a new event to talk about here in just a minute too. Awesome. Well, Ryan, you know, only only meteor that was in my horizon was uh, the the million dollars I believe that the omnibus bill put toward the meteorological project or something like that. So uh, that's the only meteor I've heard of. You didn't cut. You last... didn't get a check from that. I figured you'd get a check out of that somehow. I figured you'd be. You'd, not... There's the Josh Shelton fund for uh, I don't know something that's in there. Well, we, we got to work on making some businesses like that to try to mooch off some of this uh, government spending. Yeah, we do. We do. We get, we're in the wrong business. Yeah. Well, Ryan, you know, uh, I checked. We had three more five-star reviews that came up in iTunes over the last week. No written reviews, but we did have three five-stars. So uh, shout out to everybody who, who signed in and gave us the review. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And Josh, speaking of iTunes, you can find the store, I mean the show, obviously in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio. I know we said last week or two weeks ago that you know, they're going through bankruptcy, so I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but we're still there as far as I know. Um, and so be sure to check out the show there. As Josh mentioned, you can leave a rating and review on the show. We'll give you a shout out if you do. Um, a couple other things, Josh. So next week, I will be in Oklahoma for the Pipeline Energy Expo. That is the Thursday, April the 5th. I'll also be at U.S. Safety Sign and Decal's office at some point next week. Um, I think it's on Thursday, and we'll be shooting some uh, text one guests live on Instagram. They are our hard hat sticker sponsor, so I'll be there at their office. Really appreciate those guys. Then Friday is the Oilfield Helping Hands event in McLeod, Oklahoma. And um, I don't want to – I've gotten some inside information. I'm not sure if I can release it or not, but there should be some exciting stuff there and uh, should be a really special day. Um, and so if you're there and you come up, you say, hey, I'm a listener, we'll let you get on the show, free plug with your company, and uh, just for showing up at the event because it's going to be an important thing. Again, that's to help the, the families um, that lost their loved one you know, you know, just a few months ago on the rig, ex- rig explosion in Oklahoma. So if you're in the area on McLeod, Oklahoma, and you go to the Oilfield Helping Hands event on April 6th. We'd love to see you there. And the final thing, Josh, the final thing, is that we have our sponsor, which is, again, Drilling Info. Really excited about this. And, you know, we talked to some folks about the Drilling Info sponsorship, what's going on. Um, had the folks ask some questions about it. And I'm not going to get into all the details right now, but we do have uh, a third trial that's coming back. I don't know when that's coming back. They, they made some acquisitions and stuff like that. But here is the thing I want to tell most of our listeners. If you are a um, if you are into the courthouse side, the land side of the business, I'm going to set up a link. It will be in the show notes. And so you can go get $100 free of drilling info courthouse access. So I'm going to set that up for you in the show notes. And I said one last thing, Josh, but I lied. Okay. I will be... At a event here in March, uh, sorry, not March, May, 
Let's see here. It is, uh, well, I had it pulled up. May 24th, I will be at the Fort Worth Young Professionals 7th Annual Crawfish Bull. Holler at your boy. I'm excited, Josh. You know I love some crawfish. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I will be there. Uh, it's the, 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 the PGA tournament will be at Colonial that day, so I'll be there for that. It is going to be a spectacular event. It's only 75 bones. It's only 75 bones. You get crawfish. Uh, I'm sure they'll have an adult beverage there. I don't want to speak to that. I don't know, but I'm sure they'll have adult beverages. They'll have beverages. Heck, I'll bring some adult beverages if I need to. Um, it will be crawfish. It, look, crawfish alone is worth coming, right? I mean, that's that's worth that's you know that, that's worth the price admission there. Crawfish bowl at the uh, on the Colonial on the I think it's the 13th hole. Yeah, the 13th hole, and uh, it should be a great time. It's from five to eight p.m. May 24th. Have some more news about that coming. I can't quite release that yet, but I'm um, excited to be there for that event. And uh, we'll be there, or I'll be there. You know, Josh didn't go to anything, unfortunately, but I'll be there um, recording and um, hanging out with the folks at the Young Professionals Organization in Fort Worth. It's a shame you can't make that one, Josh. Well, you know, uh, I'm tempted to, to try to make arrangements and get there to show, show you boys how to eat some crawfish, man. I'll let you work. I'll, I'll be, I'm sure for $75 I'll let you in. Man. Yeah. Well, uh, Ryan, you know, we got uh, we got a couple pieces of, of news that came out. I, I hate to keep harping on this uh, port of Corpus Christi, but it seems like we're making like little, little small baby steps every week, and I just wanted to keep uh, listeners updated, but... They have. Uh, they've just. You know, we had this issue with uh, with debts and uh, some of the credit stuff that we talked about. I believe last week, where they've issued some new debt as a way of getting uh, some more funding for the port, and they have recently gotten. I believe it was thirty three million that they were going to go ahead and uh, start working on the port. Uh, I got a deadline here that they're they're projecting to be finished with this in twenty twenty one. 32 million. That's it. They're 32 million they got. And they're projecting to be through with this in 2021, but uh, they are getting started. Um, like as we speak, they are, uh, they've gotten some funding and are beginning work on it. You know, and that 32 million is in addition to the 13 million that they got from the omnibus bill. So they were hoping to get 60 from that. They got 13. They have another 32. So uh, they are beginning work on it. And, um, yeah, we have another article from one of our good friends, David Blackman. He had a, some interesting uh, inter- interesting take on uh, the omnibus bill and how they were wanting sixty million. And he had just a list of some of the some of the spending that the bill approved, Ron, that was just staggering. Uh, one of them, for example, was uh, one million dollars went to uh, Cultural Antiquities Task Force. Uh, another one was two hundred eighteen million for promoting democracy development in Europe. And he's making a point here. Um, there's a, a interesting thing that he had to say in here, Ryan. Do you know where's that? Where he he talks about um, you, you would expect the government to. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Given he says that uh, given that those given that all those things were funded by Congress, and he's referencing what Josh was talking about, which was a tweet from Rand Paul. One might think that getting Congress to authorize the 225 million to live up to its agreement to fund part of the cost of dredging one of the nation's most critical and fastest growing ports would be a no-brainer. But in thinking that, 
one would unfortunately be wrong. And, and I kind of chuckled. So this is not a knock at David, but David, uh, I didn't think they would do it because I don't, <laughs> I never expect them guys to do the right thing. So if you, if you thought they would, um, you should look at Congress like this, Josh, uh, expect them to always do the wrong thing. And so when they actually slip up and do the right thing, you can be excited. That's kind of how I look at Congress. Yeah. When they, when they do something good, that's when you should be shocked. You should be surprised, right? So, and, I, and I, don't know, I don't know what David, if he thought they were going to do it or not, but I know what he's saying here. There's a list of just stupid things that they do, and that a lot of people are, are sitting back like, oh, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do this? It's like, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's what they do. They do stupid stuff. I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not going to get on a huge political rant here, Josh, but I will just say that um, – I'm just going to put it out there as nice as I can. If you listen to politicians and you listen to a lot of journalists, they have no idea how business works. They have no idea how anything works. Um, we had Weston Martinez on a few months ago, and he referenced the the um, the study that the Texas Congressional Budget Office or whatever it was did about the signage, uh, about changing the name for the um, – if you won, you know, he's going to change the name of the railroad commission. And he said that the, that the cost was between zero and, you know, 400,000 or something like that. And I remember me and you talking about it. You know, we kind of pressed him like, uh, and I think even the first one, even more, we kind of said, eh, I'm not sure that sounds kind of low. Da, 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 it's expensive. I know internally what it costs when we did it. We're a small company. Um, and he's like, ah, well, you know, that's what they say. It's probably going to cost that much. Well, then David Blackman comes on and makes a, you know, the next week makes an outstanding point saying, hey, you got to change every sign on every well uh, across the across state of Texas. Okay, well, you know, that that's one of those things that you look at and you go, well, good night. That's going to take, I don't know, years maybe. I, I don't even know. I don't know how many people they have employed to do this job, but um, that's a huge expenditure that you got to go in. It's going to cost more than $400,000. Um, but, but, you know, some some guy getting paid by the government or some lady getting paid by the government that, that that doesn't do business they don't think in those terms they don't think like that and so yeah so if they I I I, I, know, I know it's just it's Ryan's political rant thirty seconds of the day I don't I don't ever expect them to do the right thing and so I'm actually surprised and excited when they do um, it is disappointing obviously especially with six big members of the oil and gas industry writing President Trump a letter asking for this to get done and it didn't get done. Um, you know, it's one of those things. I'll, I'll say this: you can say that you know, uh, right now in the, in, the, in the media, there's a lot of talk about you know, congressmen are always selling out to big oil or to big to NRA or to whatever organization. Well, this is a clear case where they didn't sell to no one on our side of the table because uh, um, we didn't get the money that we needed for this job. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of Ryan, I made the the meteor joke at the beginning, but one of the uh, one of the deals on Rand Paul's tweet about some of this omnibus bill spending was 1 million went to the world meteorological organization. So uh, just to clarify that, uh, that from earlier. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, so I'm, I'm curious when you spend $25 million for international religious freedom. Now I, I I'm not saying it's a bad cause. I'm just saying like, who gets that, that money? Yeah. What is that? What is, what I mean, that? I'm not, again, I'm not, I think it's a great, probably a great cause, but $25 million. I think, look, think about international religious freedom. What are they going to do? So if, uh, if, if, yeah, I mean, well, the, the irony, the irony in all this, no, I'm not, even, I'm not going to go there. Josh, just takes on gas. We're not going to go there today. Yeah. I just want to know, I want Congress to know this. Josh Shelton and I will buy D Boone Pickens ranch and, they could have earmarked some money for us in this bill, and we could have bought it, but they didn't. So I'm really disappointed about that too. Yeah, well, it would have been definitely less of a waste <laughs> of money. <laughs> we would have enjoyed it thoroughly. 
That's right. It would have been That's used right. for we, what it was earmarked for. We would have went and bought the property. <laughs> we we would have turned a profit too. I can guarantee. <laughs> well, Ryan, uh, you know we we've been talking a little bit about some of the tariffs that have um, have have the, the Trump admin put in place, and uh, I believe you talked with uh, with Blackman a little bit. Uh, I was. I was unfortunately out that Friday, and uh, you, you had a little talk with uh, with Blackman. I don't know how in depth y'all went, but China has responded to the Trump tariffs, and they've slapped some tariffs on the U.S. oil pipe, uh, which is really targeted primarily at Texas, uh, since that's where the the oil boom is is going on. They're estimating, uh, I think the the tariffs were for fifteen percent on steel pipe. And they're estimating that it's going to end up costing us about three billion. Uh, now, and and just per, for perspective, the Trump tariffs are estimated to cost China around fifty billion. So uh, they are they are responding, Ryan. So how do we see stuff like this? I mean, does in, in your experience or in, from your perspective, do you see this uh, in any way leading to a response from Trump that will then? cause another response from China that will escalate into what they call, you know, a trade war, or you think they're, they'll just kind of, this will be the end of it and, and business as usual. Yeah. I mean, this is why we, when we talk on the show about getting government out of things, this is why, I mean, I, I can just give you a couple of personal experiences here, not on any level to this, but you know, I've looked at working in Africa, uh, different countries and, from our side, what it requires from our government and what it requires from their government, it's just a nightmare. And at the end of the day, you, you know, if you're a, a small business, you have to really decide, you know, how bad do you want to take this risk? And, you know, because both nations on some level are trying to protect themselves, um, not really their citizens, but themselves more than anything else. And you look at something like this, and I understand when David came on, essentially he said that um, the tariffs, if you look at them, you know, they will only apply to people who don't tariff our goods. And, you know, and so essentially he's, you know, Trump didn't want to just have a standard tariff across the board. He's really wanting the U S products to get the tariffs rolled off of them. Um, And and so, and so, so, okay, that's fine. And so you see here now that the China's responded at the end of the day, um, I, I think that we're at a point where the old way of doing business, the old way of doing business internationally, it's got to stop. It really has to stop. And I don't have the answer. I don't have the solution. I'm not saying that I've got this all figured out. But I can just tell you from what little I've done with trying to work international, all of the red tape, all of the hoops. And we're talking, you know, Josh, let's just be quite honest here. If I work international or if I don't, no, you know, the, the stock market, the Dow Jones, is, is it reacting to my news? Okay. So it's not like it's that type of magnitude. It's insignificant. Um, but, but the old way of doing business has to stop. And um, the global economy the ability to buy and sell goods internationally is one of the things that needs to happen. It needs to be done fairly. It needs to be done efficiently. And the more government involvement that that's there, you're going to see deals like this. If China wants to tax our goods, um, then I think we need to sit back and say, okay, well, that's ultimately going to hurt China unless, I mean, if you're a free market guy like I am, if China wants to tax your 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 your, um, your steel or whatever, yeah, that could hurt your business on this side of things. But you got to sit back and go, okay, well, that's you know, that's that's going to be their ultimately that's going to be ultimately their own detriment. I mean, that's ultimately going to hurt them. Um, if you look at how you know tariffs and taxes and things work here in the states, it never it doesn't. I mean, I can't think of any example where you sit back and go, okay, hey, um, you know, President Trump came out with a sole tax tariff, and it's like, okay. 
solar struggling as it is now. Why would you tear up that industry? Um, it's not a good thing. And so I, I think this kind of gets into the the very high level, the people that you never meet, the presidents, the world leaders, they're trying to fix these problems. And then you get the normal folks who have to pay the consequences. And so um, I, I don't know. I, I, am, I am genuinely curious and, and really believe that a lot of these problems we see now are going to be changed in the next 10 to 20 years just because of the global access, um, the ability for people to right now, me and you, Josh, from our homes, we could start a business and we could work in Africa and China um, selling products and services. You know, 15 years ago, you couldn't do that. I mean, I guess you could, but not realistically. Now you can um, because of the Internet and what's available out there. And so I, I think that a lot of these policies and how these countries act, it's really off of kind of an old model. And um, I, so I, it's, it's silly all around for me. It, you know, I'm a free markets guy. I think all that kind of stuff is silly. And um, but if I had to bet what's happening is eventually Trump and China, the China leadership will work it out because they just signed that big LNG deal just a few months ago we talked about on the show. So it seems to me it's just a bunch of posturing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, I was uh, thinking about that when I originally saw this, uh, the big LNG deal that was just done. And uh, it seems like uh, I, from my perspective, it looked like there was progress being made between U.S. and China um, relations. But, you know, Ryan, uh, looking at some of the, the breakdowns of this, last year, United States exported 832,000 metric tons of steel pipe. Uh, and I think they, they said, you know, Houston's going to be the one hit uh, right. the hardest with, with these tariffs. But, um, you know, I, I think, like you mentioned, a, a lot of times when, when a tariff hits, people just raise the price to cover the cost of the tariff so that it's just passed on to the consumer. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. You got. You, I mean, you almost have to. I mean, I mean, I know that Sergio read a story in the San Antonio Business Journal about one solar company that wasn't going to do that. And, and hey, man, if that if they can do that, and they can make money. Then uh, that's great. That's great for them. But you almost have to. I mean, you know, if if you came in tomorrow, Josh, and said, "Hey, uh, the cost of doing business is about thirty five percent." Well, holy cow! You know, how are you going to function? You know, what are you going to do? And you know, the tariff obviously isn't thirty five percent of all their business, but a part or even a portion of your business, thirty five percent. Okay, well, depending on what you know, where that lands in your overall um, revenue income, a revenue stream, you know, you might have to adjust your prices. And if you're a really big company, you know, all of a sudden, if you import, uh, if you're if you're someone who imports solar panels and resells them, well, yeah, you got to pass that thirty five percent on because that's that's what's going on there. So yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I think that a lot of these things, I understand on some level, if you go, want to hear what David said, you can go back and listen to the episode. David, uh, kind of the, at least in my opinion, the leading guy on what Trump's doing, whether you agree or disagree. Um, but I, I think that the, you know, the average person can get affected. Um, and in, in reality, to me, the argument goes like this. Well, Trump is trying to fix this problem and therefore he's doing this. Okay, well, he might fix that problem. Agreed. The, the, for me, the issue is that this problem shouldn't even be a problem. Like that, like that's, like that's the whole issue is that there's these tariffs, there's these all this regulation and all these issues and stuff about working internationally. Um, that's the real issue, and because of that, we we we, we find ourselves with these other deals. Um, if you want to tariff your if you want to tariff products and services, ultimately you hurt your people because they had to pay more for it, and so eventually it's 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 one of those things that's a losing proposition. So, um, yeah, that's just my two cents. Yeah, well, uh, well, Ryan, moving on from from some of the tariffs, we had a little bit of um, this article from oilprice.com about some of the stuff going on in the Permian. We have a, a really 
big, uh, big deal that happened that we're going to be talking about here in just a moment. But uh, this this article uh, just talks about uh, you know where oil prices are and how the Permian right now is drawing so much attention. Uh, but but also uh, there's you know comp- the competition that's happening out there is so intense that uh, some folks are actually trying to target other areas. Like we're going to mention Pioneer. You know, last week they acquired some some uh, or they actually sold some acreage to Sundance. And uh, actually, there's another deal that they did this week. Where they're actually targeting the eagle fur because there's, uh, you know, the competition is not near as severe. But uh, but Ryan, I'm in the Permian right now, the I, I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite as uh, as intense as it is right now out there. Yeah, it's getting crazy, and it, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. So, um, you know, hey, we get plenty of stuff wrong on this show. We're at globalenergymedia.com. If you find something we got wrong, we'd love to hear about it. Um, one of the things I think that we, we we've gotten right on some level and you kind of alluded to it for the next story is that we're going to see more M and a deals. Um, and part of that is because there's companies that they're still trying to figure out how to make money. Now let's think about that to what you just said. The competition is increasing when the competition's increasing, then you have to up your game. It doesn't matter if you're at the top of the game, the bottom of the game, the middle does not matter. You have to up your game um, because everyone is. And so as you do that, you know, I look over and I say, hey, well, Josh has these skill sets. I have these skill sets. Um, I wonder if we merge these things. Could we be more profitable? Um, could we survive? Could we continue to grow? And as we know, the oil and gas market is prone to wide swings in prices. So you have to be you know, aware of that potential. Um, I th- I, one thing I like about this, ar- uh, this article is it talked about kind of this this dilemma that the, the, that we, we've talked about before, which is you know the increase in technology, um, rising cost. How do you deal with that? And there is you know if you're if you're one of people who's looking for some some specifics, there's a couple of things that references in here, right? There's a couple of things that it talks about um, as far as you know the length of lateral. Well, we we kind of joked about that before. We always hear about that, but they they actually give some actual hard numbers on what the lateral length was increasing by, and you go okay, well it's fifty. I think it was a fifteen percent increase is what they said in the article. Um, and there's some other things. They reference a Wood McKenzie article um, that talks about this on some level as well. Uh, for me, Josh, walking away from this, I- I'm sitting here going, this is one of the most encouraging articles I've seen because as competition increases, um, you know, the, the the cream rises to the top. And it's 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 just what you want to talk about what makes America great. This is what makes America great. The ability for all these producers, all these operators to go out there to do their best to compete in the marketplace and to figure out who's going to be at the top of the game. And, um, that's really exciting to me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really a lot of fun to watch. I mean, you, you, you got these companies that are trying to, they're trying to figure out how to do this at a more efficient clip so that when they sell the oil, they can do it at a slightly lower price and therefore sell all their goods out, create more demand for their product. And there's just so many levels uh, that, that go into that. Uh, it, you know, if you can just cut costs by 1% in three different areas, uh, you can then afford to right. take a little bit lower price on the oil and then you can, you know, Beat, beat all the competition so just and, and that's great for that's great for us who are going out and buying gas buying products i mean it lowers the price on all those things so the competition on on the front end really helps the consumers on the back end as well to get better products at a lower price and i think um yeah i'm, I'm just excited to see it i mean i'm glad it's happening and, and unfortunately for for some folks that uh maybe the companies that aren't 
um, aren't scaled enough to be able to compete. Um, I mean, they're, they're gonna, they, they may struggle because uh, they, they may not be able to operate with that sort of efficiency. But on, you know, on the other hand, sometimes smaller companies, they can operate very efficiently, uh, just, just not at, at a large scale. Uh, they, they, can, they can turn a profit and uh, you do what they're doing at a much you know, smaller level and, and still be profitable. So it's just, I, I'm, uh, I anticipate you know, looking at, at the Permian and where it's at maybe in the fourth quarter this year and looking at how, you know, what companies are succeeding. Is it only the big ones? Are there smaller companies that are able to turn a profit and do well? Uh, something definitely I would like to you know, keep my eyes on. Right, and, and there's a lot, a lot of good stuff you said there, Josh. A couple of things. One is, um, you know, the the the. So if you're in the oil business, you know, uh, oversupply is a bad thing because um, obviously it means that we're going to shed jobs, right? Because you know the price goes down. Don't you know the the, the don't need as many workers. Um, so you kind of look at that and go, oh, okay, but you're right though. If companies can figure out ways to drill more efficiently, more effectively, um, then they can potentially create a surplus, which would drive prices down, which is good for the consumers. Um, one of the things that this article makes, because you talked about, you know, um, companies that might get lost in the process. But I think we have to remember that when this kind of stuff happens, um, new jobs are created. And I'll point to the uh, next to last paragraph. For example, Technologies to make macro factors to get the most productive zones of rock as well di- digital uh, I cannot speak today Josh digital <clears throat> digital uh, you got to say it I can't say that word <laughs> I can't I got my tongue digitalization <laughs> good night digitalization that will help all fracking stages from planning to execution will be the main drivers that could produce production growth uh would McKin- then they go back to reference Wood McKenzie now let's just talk about that for a second that that thing right there compared it to this and they go on to say on the flip side there's a risk that whales too close to one another could produce more water or show a massive drop of pressure okay so you have these two things that talk about um you know the micro fractures and you know get the most productivity out of these zones and then you have the the, the, the whales being too close okay that's i mean i'm sure those problems on some level have always been around but the the, the scope and the magnitude which are a problem potentially now are new which means there's new jobs entering the marketplace, different jobs in the marketplace. Um, and so there's more people needed to solve this problem. So you might have less drillers, but you need more people to solve this problem. And that's, that's the, so this, we talk about the good thing between the market competition. These are the types of things that we're talking about because they are new to the marketplace. Yeah. N- new problems create new jobs for people to, you know, find new solutions. So yeah, that's good. Well, Ryan, we have, I think this is going to be the biggest deal that I have ever uh, released on the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, Ryan. I don't know that we've ever seen one quite this big. It's a $9.5 billion, that's with a B, purchased by Concho uh, is the latest sign of West Texas oil boom. This is in the New York Times. So uh, uh, this two Texas oil companies joined forces on Wednesday in the biggest deal yet in the southwestern oil patch, one that should add momentum to the rush to produce more oil. Um, as prices rise. So this was a, like I said, a 9.5 billion. Uh, this is 640,000 acres. Uh, Concho resources is purchasing RSP Permian. So Ryan, this is just a massive deal. This is going to make Concho the biggest, uh, the biggest player in the Permian, uh, to date. Yep. I and, uh, I think they deserve an attaboy for that. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, 
Atta boy. I mean, that's that's great. And you know, real quick, I, the, the the thing I thought about this was is people go, oh no, this company's getting too big or or whatever. Is hey, let me tell you something. Being big doesn't mean that you're always successful. It means you have certain advantages. But now the cost mm-hmm. of your overhead, things like that, is just a different ball game. But hey, excited to see this. Curious to see how it works out. And uh, you know, it, it's it's good. One thing I will reference real quick is that the article talked about the need for more pipelines out in tech, uh, the Permian. And so we really need to see more pipelines done or it could cause a little bit of a lag. So I, I, I found that an interesting side note that was uh, referenced there in the article. Yeah, yeah, that was. And, no, you know, uh, look, looking at this, I mean, Concho better, they better lace up the cleats, man. They they got, like you said, the overhead's about to go through the roof. So they, they better get to work, man. They got a lot of work to do to keep that thing rolling. So um, great, great stuff. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But hey, good for them, right? Good for them. It's good for them, and we're excited to see it. And uh, I'm excited. I, I like these deals happening because, as you mentioned, um, you know, the more focus is on the Permian, the more opportunity there is in the Eagleford and other other places because companies are doubling down the Permian. Well, there's less competition out there, so you might not get that premium Permian asset, but you might get good assets in the Eagleford, which I think is where we're going next. Yep, we're about to head there, Ryan. Right before we do, I had, uh, with the same story, there was another article from Oil and Gas Investor. They had an interesting comment that I wanted to mention, uh, something that, that we're going to be, uh, I think, looking at in the next probably six months. This is my, my opinion. I think uh, this article is, was spot on here. But it mentions that the OPEC Secretary General, Mohammed Barkindo, uh, said this week um, that Saudi Arabia and non-OPEC Russia were working on a long-term pact that could extend controls over world crude supplies. Uh, normally, Russia and the Saudis they will uh, you know agree on a one maybe two-year deal. They're working on a ten to twenty-year agreement right now that is supposed to uh, help help take some control of the market. And I think it's in response to some of these things that are happening over in the Permian. So Ryan, uh, just wanted to just wanted to have a, a slight comment on the. Uh, I just wanted to mention the you know the OPEC and the Russia uh, collaboration that that we see probably taking place right now as an attempt to, I think, um, take take more control over the oil and gas market globally. Uh, so just wanted to mention that, and and you know, not sure how that's going to affect what we're doing here, uh, with Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, or with what's going on with Concho, but. Uh, definitely something to, to keep an eye on, especially if we see anything happening in the news with Russia and the Saudis. Yeah, I mean, so on my other shows, we talk about these kind of issues a little bit more uh, globally. And, I mean, a couple of things. So Ellen Wald, the co-host of Energy Week with me, she's kind of a foreign policy expert on this stuff. And one thing she's pointed out is um, that if you look at the cuts that OPEC made, um, their production cut, they ramped up huge production. Basically, let's say that you're operating, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm adding these numbers in here, but let's say you're operating 80%. Well, you know that you got to cut your production. So you ramp, and 80% though is kind of where you want to be because that's easy for you to kind of maintain 80% operation capacity. So you ramp it up to 100%, right? And then you say, okay, well, we're cutting, we're cutting back to 80%. And so it's like, okay, well, th- there is some spare capacity there, but it's not, it's not that much because you ramped up to cut from the ramp, not from your normal operating load. You really couldn't keep 100% operational capacity if you if you had to. Um, and I don't know what the percentages there is, but you know, talking to her, um, most of the OPEC nations really don't have that much operational capacity to ramp up to. And like Venezuela, obviously, they're in just a dumpster fire right now. Um, so there's a lot of barrels that could come on there, but 
that's not happening anytime soon. Um, and there's a couple other nations that that could um, that could increase a decent amount, but for the most part, you know what you're seeing from OPEC right now, they're I don't want to say at peak capacity, but they're they're close to it. So I, I think that you know this Russia OPEC uh, Russia OPEC deal, Russia and the Saudis, they've been doing a lot of talking, a lot of hanging out. They've signed a lot of deals together, um, and Russia's got to be very careful because Russia. You know, the the U.S. is trying to capitalize on some of the European energy markets and Russia is worried about that. And so you kind of get in these deals where uh, from a geopolitical standpoint, everyone's trying to make these partnerships and alliances. And it kind of goes back to to what I said a few minutes ago, which is, you know, we got these big governments and, um, you know, <laughs> they're willing to deal into making deals. And uh, so I, I'm not overly worried about it. I, I really think that we're seeing the the beginning of the unraveling of a lot of this stuff because of the marketplace and the access. But um but yeah, I don't. I don't think there's much to worry about there right now. Mainly because OPEC it appears, from what we know, that they're pretty much at peak capacity. Well, you know, we mentioned the the big deals going in the Permian and how the competition there is creating opportunities in the Eagleford. Well, Pioneer uh, last week they uh, two hundred twenty five million dollar deal. Um, they uh, Pioneer had to deal with uh, with Sundance. Well, there's another one uh, this week, one hundred two million in the Eagleford. Uh, continuing to to make plays there, so I, I think uh, what they're seeing is, in order to get out of some of that competition, they're they're seeing some opportunities elsewhere where they can go in and turn a profit. So, uh, great thing to see. I think they're going to have a total in the Eagle for the fifty nine thousand net acres. Um, so definitely definitely growing. Right. Nope. Nope. And uh, again, you know, it's this kind of this following this pioneer story. I don't know. Um, I, I was kind of confused last week. I thought they'd shed it all, so I guess I misread that article. But uh, hey, this, they got plenty you know, too. I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing when I read it, I thought uh, that Sundance was. Uh, um, I thought Sundance got everything from them at, at that when they when they made that play. But apparently, apparently there was some some more there. Yep. Yep. I guess so. Okay. Well, Josh, I forgot to mention early on. I made it on another podcast this week. So I am on um, my, my buddies. Uh, we know Mark McCore, obviously. And so he has the Oil and Gas Global Network. And one of the shows they have on the Oil and Gas Global Network is hosted by Paige Wilson. And so she had me on her show, um, recorded a week and a half ago, uh, I think it was. came out last week, or came out yesterday, rather. The Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast. We'll link to that in the show notes. Um, and so I was on there with Paige. had a great time sitting down and chatting with her and, um, you know, gets to, I, I was, I was the one getting to be asked the questions and, um, having to respond and, you know, it's, it was fun. It was fun. And, uh, so got that. You have to go, go check yeah. that out, Ryan. Uh, uh, to me yeah. Earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Check that out. And also she gives away a $200 gift card to the Capitol grill, which is where we recorded at. So we recorded the Capitol grill, which was awesome. And they had, they, 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 uh, they brought drinks out. And so it was really nice. I don't know why we, we don't have a setup like that, Josh, I'm, I'm blaming you, but, uh, <laughs> but anyways, and so, um, had a great time with Paige. So thank you for having me on Paige. It was, uh, it was a great experience. Really loved it. And uh, we'll link that in the show notes. And then, um, you know, next week, we've already talked about that. The Crawfish Bowl. I am. I can't tell you how excited I am for that, Josh. I just cannot tell you. Woo, man. I am excited about that. So uh, we will link to that event in the show notes as well. Also, if you want $100 free at Drilling Info and you're not, 
Now, you, I don't think existing customers can get this. So if you're not an existing customer, you get $100 free for your uh, land pro, land land department. Um, we will link that in the show notes. you got to go to the show notes. It's a different link. So you got to go to the show notes to check that out. You can find that obviously on Google, iTunes, um, Stitcher, wherever the show notes are at, goldbridgemedia.com. You can find them there. So anyways, um, Josh, I think we got the rig count and we're ready to get out of here, aren't we? We are at... 1,075, Ryan. That means we're up 2% from last week. Uh, let's see. Going back Tuesday, we were at 1,072. And uh, let's see where were we at last Friday. What was the number? We were at 1,065 last Friday. So we're up 10 from when I checked it last. Okay. Well, good deal. Well, Josh, it's good for you to make two weeks in a row. Really, really excited to have you back two weeks in a row. You're you're a regular on the show again. It's good to be back. <laughs> good to have you back. But anyways, uh, thank you to the listeners. If you could, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. you got questions, comments, or concerns, as always, Ryan at GlobalEnergyMedia.com. That's Ryan at GlobalEnergyMedia.com. And oh, hey, hey, final thing, Josh. There is a new podcast out there, and I got to meet the host of it. Um, We'll link to this in the show notes. It is... It's called the Women of Offshore Podcast, and I got to connect with the, I guess, the I think she's the founder of the Women Offshore um, group, and so her podcast, got to listen to that the other day. If you're into women offshore type stuff, there's a lot of women in the audience I know and people that work offshore, um, might be a good spot for you to go check out. We'll link to that podcast in the show notes as well. Um, so thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time, keep climbing. Mm-hmm.